You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So the parable of the prodigal son, and at least that's probably what it's, it's titled in your Bible. I'm going to encourage you to have your Bibles open this morning as we look through this parable from Luke chapter 15. If you want to follow along from one of those Bibles in the, the pews in front of you, that's on page 874. But right, it, it's titled the, the parable of the prodigal son, but really it's, it's two parables in one. Right, and that's exactly what we see as this, as this text opens up in verse 11 of Luke chapter 15, where it says that there was a man who had two sons, right? One parable for each son. And so we start by looking at, at, the, at the younger son, who's not happy with just being the younger son. He, he really just wants out of the family, right? And so that, that younger son of them, the younger of them, said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that's coming to me. Right? It's important to note that as the son asks for his inheritance, he's basically saying to his father, Dad, I wish you were dead. Actually, not only do I wish you were dead, but I'm going to live the rest of my life as though you already are dead. So give me my inheritance. Dads out there, how would you respond to that request? Probably not very well, right? But this father, whether we really don't know why he does what he does, out of extravagant grace, out of love, out of sadness, he does it. And so the father divides his property between them. Now the rest of the beginning of this this parable is pretty straightforward, so we're going to pretty much just read through this. So with verse 11, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he'd spent everything a severe, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, now you need to remember here that pigs are unclean animals, and so a good Jewish person would never be caught dead anywhere near a pig, let alone feed the pigs or eat what the pigs are eating. But this younger son was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, verse 17 says, uh, the, the younger son said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. And so he begins to repent. He says, I'll rise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. All right, so here's where we need to, to pause in this story and remember why Jesus is telling this parable. All right, if you remember those first few verses in Luke chapter 15 that we read, it kind of set up this parable for us. And what's happening is the, the Pharisees and the scribes are mad. And they start to grumble that Jesus is eating and he's spending time with tax collectors and sinners. And so these Pharisees and scribes, as they're hearing this parable, as they're hearing Jesus tell this parable, they're probably nodding their heads 
in agreement with this story so far. And many of us probably are nodding our heads in agreement with this story so far. Right? This younger son, he finally realizes that it's his poor choices that have led him down this miserable path. He sinned against his father. He sinned against God. His actions have cast him outside the family, and he's no longer worthy to be called a son. He's a true outcast, just like the tax collectors and sinners who are also there hearing Jesus tell this parable. And so as, as this younger son starts to work through his repentance to his father, as he starts to kind of talk to himself and, and, and think out loud, this repentance is exactly what the scribes and Pharisees would have expected. Because this repentance comes with an offer of terms and conditions, an offer of repayment, an offer of penance. And we see this at the very end of his confession where he says, treat me as one of your hired servants. So what's, what's really happening here? This younger son, he doesn't actually want grace. He wants to save himself. And, and so he has a plan, right? He'll make his own money and he'll begin to pay back the money that he squandered away. Right, so this, this prodigal is intending to confess his failure, but he's also planning to make it right. He's planning on paying everything back. And again, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, as they're hearing this parable, and maybe for you today, this, this repentance would be what was expected. The prodigal is responding as a, a, a good Jew, or as we might say, a good moral Christian, would respond with regret for their sin, but then his desire to make amends for that sin. And if that, if that parable had ended here, the fair, uh, the, if, if, if that parable would have ended here, this would have been a great moralistic parable, right? It would have been exactly what the Pharisees and the scribes were expecting the tax collectors and sinners who were there with them. It's what they would have been expecting them to do. If the parable ended here, Jesus would have basically been saying that these sinners must first show that through their actions, they deserve readmittance into the community of Israel. But I'm pretty sure, if not all y'all, most of y'all know that the parable doesn't end there, right? Verse 20, and he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So, so the younger son, he, he returns home and he repents, but notice what's missing in his repentance this time. Notice what's different than, than, than what he was saying in his head. This time he doesn't try and cut a deal. This time he doesn't try to make amends, try and make payment for his sin. And it's not because the father interrupted him in the middle of his confession, but after the father responded the way he did, after the father ran out to him to embrace him, to hug him, and to kiss him, the prodigal realizes that it's not about the money that he lost, but it's about the relationship that's been broken. And that's not something that the prodigal can heal. So he realizes that if there's going to be a healed relationship, it has to be a pure gift from the father. And for the prodigal, even to assume that he can try and compensate his father with his work is actually an insult. So really, there's only one appropriate response from the prodigal here. I'm unworthy 
Father, have mercy. Right? And the Father has mercy on His Son. The Father doesn't just want the Son even to know that He's had mercy and been restored to the family. He wants everyone to know. Uh, we continue with verse 22 and following. But the Father said to His servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on Him. Put a ring on His hand and shoes on His feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my Son was dead, but He is alive again. He was lost, but He is found and so they began to celebrate, right? They began to celebrate. Maybe you came here today with a desire to earn your favor back with God, right? Maybe you feel like the younger son. You regret something that you've done. You realize that, that the cause of your miserable condition is your sin against God, and you feel as though your actions have cast you outside of the family, and you no longer feel worthy to be called a child of God. Maybe that's where you're at today. And so you came here to, to make a payment, to make amends, to, to do penance in order to prove yourself worthy for readmittance into the community. But may you know today that this isn't a problem that you can fix. Right? This is a, a broken relationship that, that you cannot heal. So any new relationship is a gift from the Father. You have nothing that you can offer to Him as a possible solution. And actually, to, to try and make up for it, to, to try and compensate the Father with your works is an insult to Him. And so today, there's only one appropriate response. I am unworthy. Lord, have mercy. A little bit later, I know in this service, we don't often use the corporate confession where we speak words together, but we're going to do that today. And, and I want you to hear the words that you're going to be confessing. It's most merciful God. I confess that I am by nature sinful and unclean. I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I've not loved you with my whole heart. I've not loved my neighbor as myself. I justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But what comes after that for those of you that know it? Have mercy, right? Lord, I mean, there's the, it's more than that, but it's have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I'm unworthy. Have mercy. Actually, whether you've been like the younger son and made a really, really big mess or whether this week you feel like you just did maybe one little thing out of line with God's will, there's really only one appropriate response. I am unworthy. Have mercy on me. And may you know that the Father has had mercy on you. Almighty God, in His mercy, He gives His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And for His sake, He forgives you all of your sins. Each and every day, the Father has mercy on you. Not only does He welcome you back, He runs to you. Not because of what you've done or not because you have some grand plan to, to, to bring yourself back and to repay Him for what He's done, but because He loves you so much and has been waiting for you to let Him restore your relationship. And so what does He do for you? He throws a party and He prepares a feast Right, and there too should be a party each and every time that we hear those words of forgiveness. 
But remember that there are two sons in this story, right? Well, what about the older son? Well, well, to give you some background, uh, when, when the first son asks for inheritance, again, remember that he's basically saying that he wished his father were dead. Well, if his father were dead, then, then it would have been the older brother. It would have been the older son's responsibility to take care of his younger brother. Right? That's why he gets the oldest, the, the oldest male in the family always gets the double portion of, of the inheritance because it's their job to take care of the rest of the family. And so it would have been the older son's responsibility at, uh, to chase after the younger brother and to bring him home. But he didn't. So then how does, how does the older son respond when he finds out that his younger brother is home? Uh, let's, let's go back to, to verse 25 of, of Luke 15. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. How does, how does the older son respond? Verse 28, but he was angry, and he refused to go in. Out of anger, out of frustration, the older son refuses to go in. So how does the father respond to this son who, who refuses to go in to celebrate that his younger brother has returned home? How does the father respond to the son the same way he responded to the younger son? He goes out to get him. Right? His father came out and entreated, begged him to come in. But, he, but the older answered his father and says this. He says, look, these many years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Uh, there's, there's a book written a number of years ago called Poet and Peasant by uh, Kenneth Bailey, and he's writing about this story. And in it, he said, in those three verses, there are seven insults that come out of the mouth of the older son towards the father. The first is that he doesn't properly, like, call him father. He just starts with, look. Uh, but, but as we see, as we look through those insults, we see how the older son sees himself. He doesn't see himself as a son, but as a slave, as obedient to the father's rules, but reluctantly. Right here, the, the older son is like those righteous Jews who don't need repentance. And if you would have read verses 4 through 10 uh, of Luke 15, you would have seen that phrase come out about this, the, the righteous who don't need repentance. But even in the midst of these insults, the father's not deterred from going and getting his son. He says to him, son, my child, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting, it is necessary to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and he's alive. He was lost and is found. And with that, the parable ends. There is no resolution to this story. We don't get to hear how the older son responds to the father. Will he repent and return to the feast? Or will he continue to reject the father's grace and love and therefore reject his invitation to the feast? Well, maybe as you were listening to the story of the younger brother, maybe you were glad that you weren't like him. 
proud that, that you've never wandered off and squandered all that God has given you. Maybe you're even annoyed with others who have wandered off and lived life excessively, or even maybe jealous, right, that they got to go and have fun while you were stuck following the rules and being a good Christian, or maybe even happy when they fail, because that's probably what they deserve. Well, that's probably what the, the scribes and the Pharisees were feeling. But as this parable comes to a close, they knew that Jesus was telling this parable against them. But the way that Jesus leaves that the parable open, it gives them a chance to respond, asking them, well, how will they respond? It also asks us today, how will you respond? Are there people that you know who have walked away? Maybe they haven't been in worship for a while. Maybe, they've, maybe you know that they've walked away from the faith. Have you chased after them to, to bring them back? And, and then when they do come back to you, do you celebrate? Do you run up to them and welcome them back? Or do you think, well, it's about time, right? Or, or, or do you see someone else celebrating their return and think, man, I'm here every week and no one ever celebrates seeing me walk in the door. So the question for you today is, how will you respond to the parable? Right? Easter is three weeks away. This is a perfect time to, to chase after a brother or sister who's wandered away, a, a brother or, or sister whom you miss seeing, a brother or sister whom you want to celebrate with. So the question for you is how will you respond to the Father? Whether you resonate with the, the younger brother or the older son, how will you respond to the grace of the Father? And really, there's only one appropriate response. I'm unworthy. Father, have mercy. And the Father has had mercy on you and continues to have mercy on you. So come right, and join the feast that He has thrown for you and prepared for you today. Amen? Amen. Amen.